0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Welcome on board, everybody. It's the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM, but we don't have open phones just yet. I'm glad to say that we have a fabulous guest uh, here who took the day off yesterday, Joe McGranahan, and a fabulous sir guest here from Bucknell University. I'm only so. a
2: guest now. I used to be co-host. Am I being demoted? Well, one day you're
1: here, one the next day, day, day you're off. not. One day I'm The next day, I mean, Ben's been one here day more in this week 14 than
2: you years, I take off a sick day <laughs> 15 years and you treat me as if I've been gone forever. (laughs) What was your name again?
1: Earl. As you can see, we're frenemies (laughs) too. So, Okay. Uh, Dr. Amanda Wooden is here from Bucknell University. So welcome aboard. Thank you so much for coming in. Dr. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. She's from Bucknell University. I appreciate it too. Is a political scientist and associate professor of environmental studies and sciences. Uh, She has been to Russia and the Ukraine, has seen elections take place there, and continues to monitor the media and uh, how oil and energy really are at the heart of what we're talking about when we're talking about this war. And she's been watching, uh, I'm going to call it the slow decline of Vladimir Putin over the past 20 years. So we'll start out with the loaded question of the day. Is he insane or what?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously I can't directly answer that question. And I think it's something, the the question of whether this action was rational, right, is what scholars of Russia and Ukraine are talking about. Um, The costs to Russian economy obviously have been great from the sanctions and uh, the fallout is significant worldwide. The one question too is many people believe that Russia thought that they could just dominate Ukraine so quickly? Did they not expect resistance? And as Tony Wood, Professor Tony Wood, has talked about, they should have known, the Russian government should have known that Ukraine would resist, given the recent political history, which is relevant for discussing why Russia invaded Ukraine.
2: Well, from the standpoint of his mental health, You know, we've had photographs photographs of him posing uh, in, uh, what, with his shirt off, riding horses. Uh, He's even commissioned songs about how virile and handsome he is. Are these rational actions?
3: Well, he's obviously a dictator, right? And he's running, uh, he has been in control of Russia for quite some time and managed to create a system, a particular political system and regime that distinguishes itself by the personality, the personal politics of what we refer to as Putinism. And so that is a political system in which uh, he controls not only um, all of politics, right, all of he controls uh, governing officials around the country, but he controls the media his administration controls the media significantly uh, and the only independent TV news and newspapers were just shut down in the last couple of days, right? So there's no active independent news and the oligarchy that was generated and created in his period, in his regime, he controls the oligarchy. So they, if they commit, if these billionaires who were able to take money out of Russia, send it around the world, put it in banks and other places, right? Mm-hmm. All of this money is coming out of Russia and primarily through the petro state, right? So through oil and gas industry and resources, mineral resources. Then he, if they commit loyalty to him, he is able to allow them to continue their economic uh, processes, their the corruption is a significant part of this regime.
2: Let me ask you one question that I'm not certain I understand.
3: I understood what communism was, but what are they now in reality? Yeah, so it is an oligarchic Society, oligarchic political system, and it is a capitalist system. So it is a uh, controlled. Some refer to it as controlled capitalism or managed capitalism, and it's managed by the Putin administration.
2: In what respect is that different? Well, I mean, communism is from each according to his need to each according. No, the other way around. From each according to his ability to each according to his need. How does that differ here? I mean, is is, uh, foreign investment is encouraged in Russia?
3: Uh, It is encouraged. It's necessary. For example for the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to route Russian gas around Ukraine. This is a project that was started because of the political tensions between the Russian government and the Ukrainian government, uh, especially since 2014, uh, but even before that, since the 2004-2005 Orange Revolution. With Ukraine leaning west and Ukraine being the transit route for much of the gas coming out of Russia to Europe, Europe's dependent on Russian natural gas and oil, uh, then Russia engaged in attracting international investments to build a pipeline that would circumvent Ukraine so that it didn't have to politically depend on Ukraine to transport their gas and The uh, Russian owners and the the consortium controlling that pipeline just declared bankruptcy as a result of the sanctions that were applied to Russia at the start of this war.
1: That's the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that we're talking about. Um, Will the sanctions do anything? We know that they're really not working. I mean, Vladimir Putin's not pulling, scaling back at all. In fact, he's ramping up. But will the sanctions do anything? They seem to be prepared for them.
3: Well, it's interesting. That's a great question, because after the 2014 annexation, Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, and support of uh, and fomenting the rebellion in the Donbass region uh, of Ukraine, in eastern Ukraine, there were sanctions, more minimal sanctions that were applied to Russia. And so many Scholars talk about how Russia is prepared for these sanctions because of those earlier experiences, but these sanctions are larger, greater, more immediate, and if they continue to be ramped up, uh, the one of the questions is maybe will not will Russia stop uh, in Ukraine? It seems they they seem pretty, you know, pot committed as you say in poker, right, to this invasion and and seeking their goals of. F- of, I think, creating a puppet state in Ukraine. I think that's a key goal, right? They've communicated that. But uh, what will it do to Russian society? What will happen to Putin after this? There is significant uh, concern among many people, and especially you see this among many prominent Russians, right, uh, who have public profiles. People are leaving Russia right now. Uh, to surrounding countries because of what's going on there. There is real public concern. There are protests happening. Will that transform Russian society? I don't know. But if you imagine economic crisis as a result of this, which, of course, by the Russian media is being blamed on on NATO, on the United States, on Europe, uh, and obviously on, on Ukraine. But... A lot of Russian society dealing with those economic consequences and really a distaste for invading Ukraine, right? I think there's there's possibility of real fracturing going on in Russia.
2: You said something to me earlier that I'd like you to expand on uh, before we went on the air. You said that uh, when we were talking about sanctions, which was Mark's point uh, and I asked you why we're still buying tons of oil from the Russians every day and you made an interesting comment. You said well some of the things we could do might make the situation worse. Yes.
3: Uh, how? Explain that a little bit. Well you know, this whole situation isn't all about NATO, but it is in part about what the politics regarding NATO expansion have been since the 1990s, since 1991, and the collapse of the Soviet Union. And uh, really, Russia has repeatedly responded to NATO expansion as a fear and concern. I don't think that that is the only reason for, you know, invading Ukraine, and we can talk about that in a bit. but. It is really in particular the US's engagement in Europe in expanding the security alliance that was oriented against the Soviet Union and therefore Russia sees it as directly against them, this defensive security alliance. So if the United States were to take a leading role in this, much like the United States did in Kosovo, which for Russia, its ally, Serbia, that was a real kind of foundational moment where NATO actually used their troops and forces to engage in creating and supporting a separatist uh, country, what became a separatist country in Kosovo. So, you know, the U.S. engaging in Ukraine, being more vocal would actually possibly further enable uh, the justification for Russia's Expansion and invasion of military engagement in Ukraine, but also could destabilize it. Right? It would definitely be an escalation. And so you notice perhaps that European countries are taking the lead in the more the stronger sanctions, the military armaments, the vocal support of Ukraine. Obviously, Biden is doing this as well, but they've taken a little bit of a back seat, and I think that's strategic.
2: Well, if we continue to supply arms to the uh, Ukrainians, uh, you see that as uh, the Russians viewing that as an escalation.
3: For sure, they have they've threatened Sweden, for example, um, uh, with military response for any kind of military support of Ukraine, and these are, they've threatened other neighboring countries in Eastern Europe who are all on high alert for the possibility of. of If they don't support Ukraine, what does that mean for not only Ukraine? Obviously, significantly, uh, this is a very big concern for people. But also, what does it mean for what will Putin, the Putin administration will do next?
2: Newton's third law for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction. Don't you think Biden would have, I'm not Biden, but Putin would have recognized that, that there's going to be blowback here, that people are not just going to take this sitting down?
3: You know, so that's the question that some scholars are asking in terms of what the Ukrainian people were ready to do, right? But also, there's the kind of what would the international community do and what would Ukrainians do, right? And so on the international community, well, you know, the international community didn't do much when uh, the Russian government invaded Georgia in 2008. Uh, And before they invaded, did the same thing they did in eastern Ukraine in recent years, and that is distribute Russian passports to people in South Ossetia and Abkhazia and then invade on the premise that they were protecting Russian <laughs> citizens who now had passports. <laughs> they did the same thing in trans uh, Republic, which separated from Moldova, and they did the same thing in the Donbass region in Donetsk and Lugansk. So that is, you create the conditions in which you then have a justification for Engaging in in this separatist action, so and supporting and invading and annexing eventually uh, these places. So when there wasn't a significant international response, there was a lot of attention to Georgia in 2008. It happened during the Olympics, so it was a little like the timing of it was interesting to make it a little hidden, right? But despite that international reaction, there really there was. There, weren't the, there wasn't the kind of support for Georgia in stopping this. And I think that gave the, um, the, the message to the Russian government that they could do this. So I think they may be a little bit surprised at the extent of response, but also to what you said earlier, uh, European governments and the United States and others learned from what Russia continued to do. Uh, after that.
1: CBS News military uh, analyst Jeff McCausland has become an acquaintance of this show and he called us last week and he said Putin has bitten off more than he can chew now, not necessarily in Ukraine, although he's going to find out about the citizenry in even greater numbers, but internationally. Just to be a pariah this significant is more than Putin anticipated, perhaps?
3: Perhaps. I think, um, yeah, I I think all the indications were that everyone would keep doing business with Russia in the recent years, right? Um, So maybe there's a bit of surprise. And there's some indications that that the Putin administration is definitely reacting negatively to this response internationally. But they're also driven by and influenced by philosophies of reshifting Russia's orientation in the world. That to be completely accepted in the West is what uh, the Putin administration does not believe is ever going to happen. So they're reorienting to China. So, for example, they just made an agreement with China uh, to export oil and gas, to increase the exports of oil and gas in the middle of this conflict. So they're finding other routes, other markets. And this philosophy is called uh, Neo-Eurasianism. And it is an idea that A number of thinkers, um, mostly uh, far-right ultra-nationalists in uh, Russia, have developed over time to talk about Russia's imperial ambitions and expansion into places like Ukraine into Central Asia and to create this kind of you know Russia is neither east nor west it is somewhere in between and that borders don't delimit the civilizational kind of boundaries of what is a Russian sphere and so that they are a Eurasian power and how to create a new power again out of right this difficult history over the recent years based in part on petroleum, right, and oil gas and mineral reserves, but how to build that power in relation to its neighbors and kind of regain historical territories. But also that means changing how they orient in the world away from Western markets. And this puts it in kind of increasingly put Russia into this conflict with the West, which the West, you know, we can talk about how, whether or not NATO and uh, Western uh, governments understood that and how they, you know, it's right. NATO expansion fed the idea that was already in development in Russia, that there was a conflict between the two. Mm -hmm. And so now Russia invading Ukraine gives justification to why there's a need for NATO, right? So it's all kind of self-fulfilling and in reaction to one another.
2: Well, in the United Nations, Vote yesterday, the full assembly, uh, the Chinese abstained when uh, the vote was to call the Russians out of invading Ukraine. Do you think that surprised the Russians at all? Do you think they were counting on China's support?
3: I'm not sure. I think I think the Chinese government often abstains in um, in these conversations, right, in in the Security Council and, and in in UN votes. But uh, the Chinese government made a statement also that that hopes that. I'm paraphrasing. Russia and Ukraine will come to a peaceful agreement and settlement over this. Um, but then engaging in, in this, right, in, in the market um, with uh, with Russian oil and gas. So I wonder... Um, You know, if there's something else going on, of course, beyond the formal votes that we see, I'm sure it is. Um, But I think there's one thing of the political support and there's another thing of the substantive support that's happening that allows the Russian economy to keep functioning. So I think for people in Russia, the concern about becoming a pariah is significant, right? What does it mean for their daily lives? What does it mean for how they think of themselves and their identity as Russians Um, to be an invader like this on this scale of Ukraine when many Russians are proud of their history in World War Two. Right. That's still a, a kind of dominant idea. You know, so there's there's a difference between what this administration is thinking about and cares about um, on the international stage and what the public in Russia cares about. And this is an autocracy that hasn't cared about what the public thinks in Russia,
1: right? For a long time. All right, well, to be continued, thank you so much. You're going to stay, and can you stay a little bit past the 9 a.m. hour? Sure. Okay, super, because I have 20 questions. So uh, Dr. Amanda Wooden is here, Bucknell University political scientist. She's an associate professor of environmental studies and sciences. Uh, We'll let her explain why that's the right place for her to be. Of course, when you think of Russia, think of extraction of energy. So uh, environmental sciences and studies on a global scale is what she has studied. If you have a question for her or just questions, no comments, we'll take comments and opinions during the 9 a.m. hour later. But if you have a question for our great guest, uh, please call one 800 You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark, one 800 doctor Amanda Woodness is here. She's been to the Ukraine a dozen times or so, is that safe to say? Several, yeah. Several, okay. Uh, what's the media hearing, or what's the media putting out in Russia, state-controlled media? What are they telling the public? So what does the public know about this in Russia, and what does the public know about this in Ukraine?
3: Yeah. So in in Russia, um, as I mentioned earlier, many of the media sources have been shut down. The independent ones that were calling this a war, right, uh, that were showing images and information about where the attacks were going. But the Russian, the Putin and administration controlled media, which is Predominantly, all of most of the media have been talking about this from the beginning as a special operation, as a targeted action, not as a war and as only going after military facilities and in part and largely to defend the Donbass region uh, where the separatists were uh, that were recognized as independent uh Entities, right, at the start of this. So many people in Russia have really learned, heard and seen only, you know, attacks on military sites in the East, not that cities in Ukraine have been bombed, that civilian uh, sites, apartment buildings, et cetera, have been attacked, not what the damage is to an attacks across much of the country. There is that aspect of it as well. Uh, additionally, in terms of the justification for attacking Ukraine, um, in Putin's speech of uh, the Monday before the start of this uh, infamous speech, really talking about this as an engagement to uh, oppose genocide, is what he referred to this as, um, in the Donbass, um, to demilitarize and denazify um, the country of Ukraine, and that is really with the intention of overthrowing the Ukrainian government, the democratically elected Ukrainian government. So that's what Russians are hearing, um, and uh, this special operation. It's really interesting because there are a lot of people in Ukraine, especially Eastern Ukraine, especially in Kharkiv, for example, who are Russian speakers and who have Russian relatives, meaning relatives in Russia, and so they're exchanging information via um, you know messaging services, and there are people sharing those messages, those exchanges
1: getting through.
3: It's getting through, although people in Ukraine are saying that their relatives refuse to believe uh, their Ukrainian relatives about what's happening. And so there are Ukrainians who are sharing photos and videos of what they see with their own eyes in order to convince their relatives in Russia It's
2: interesting that I was told that uh, the soldiers, Russian soldiers, were told they were going on maneuvers and then they got there and now they're being told to fight a war. Uh, Have there been any instances that you've heard of where the troops have really backed down and, uh, you know, not participated as fully as the Russian government would have liked?
3: Well, I've seen some t- reports of that. I don't know what is verifiable. It's really hard in a time of war, right, to know what is what is happening really on the ground. But there were some reports of this happening uh, among the Russian fleet uh, and engaged in Crimea, from some troops from Crimea moving into Odessa. So there's... I think different reports of that going around and also reports of some dissent among Russians. So there are like TikTok videos of anonymously Russian soldiers critiquing this. So so it's interesting. I mean, are those Russian soldiers? You know, like there are questions about the verifiability of some of this information. But I think it would make sense that there would be some dissent among Russian troops who didn't know necessarily what they were fully engaging in. And they
2: would have relatives there. Many of them might have relatives in the Ukraine as well, right?
3: Yes.
1: Dennis, thank you so much for calling in you have a question for our great guest here
2: yeah hi it's dennis from sunbury hi dr wooden um i have a quick
5: question how much do you think that the role of the difference between religions and the orthodoxy of you know russian orthodox and um, russia plays against the catholics of ukraine because from what i understand ukraine's probably 60 percent or more catholic and i know um Mr. Putin tends to do a lot with the Russian Orthodox Church, and we hear different conflicting things. I belong to the Ukrainian Catholic in and so, you know, we hear different aspects of this. So I was just interested to see how much does that play a role in all this tension. All right.
1: Thank you, Dennis.
3: Yeah, thank you for that question. I think that it definitely plays a role in the discourse and propaganda that we're hearing about part of why there's conflict going on. On the ground, though, what is happening even right now, the city that is most under attack is Kharkiv, right, in eastern Ukraine. Eastern Ukraine is suffering the most from the bombardments, from the troops on the ground, and in eastern Ukraine is the most Russian-oriented and more, uh, there are more Orthodox Russians in, members of the Orthodox Church in. Eastern Ukraine. So it's interesting if, if it really is about defending one religion versus another, which it, it's not clear from what we we see in Ukrainian politics in recent years, then uh, the people that are suffering the most are the ones that are, you know, are are actually not necessarily uh, Ukrainian Catholic. Um, I think there's something. There was someone in Kharkiv um, who's writing about this that, you know. Kharkiv is the city. It's the second largest city in Ukraine. And they have had the most Russian-friendly relationship. I'll continue.
1: Yes, please. (laughs) Hold that thought, though. Don't stop, because I think this is fascinating. Between what Putin thinks is happening, what he says is happening, what's actually happening, and layered on top of religion. And it's Lent around the world. So day one of Lent is underway. So the 40-day... War is uh, continuing there, so to be continued. Uh, Our professor Amanda Wooden is here from Bucknell. We'll continue this conversation. This is WKOK Sunbury, 9 a.m.
0: Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan.
1: Welcome back to the KOK live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe's across from me. Rob Center doing a fabulous job. We appreciate his help and hard work uh, on the mark sponsor with the Sunbury Motor Company. Please do check them out at sunburymotors.com. Toll free line open. We're taking questions for our good guest. Call us at 1 800 795 9565. You can email us at on the at and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. We were talking. Talking about religion and why it's uh, sort of in—it's a factor that's being ignored, is what I think I heard.
3: Well, it's a factor that's being, I'd say, manipulated by um, in the the argument and justification by the Russian government. Um, and I, I would say this—that's important. Uh, this is Dennis's question, I think, right? Was that um, you know. Much of the conversation and simplification of what's going on in Ukraine uh, in this propaganda is that there's a division between east and west, and that the east is wants to be part of Russia, and that the west is, you know, nationalist Ukrainian, and that there isn't support in the east of Ukraine and therefore much of Ukraine for the current administration, um, and that maybe this is, you know, language differences or religious differences, but actually in the last election for president. Zelensky, in 2019, he won by around 80% of the vote in the eastern provinces, the oblasts, oblasts, as we call them in in Russian and Ukrainian. Eastern oblasts, he won 80%. He won by less in western Ukraine. He's actually from eastern Ukraine. He is a Russian-speaking Jewish politician leading this country. And so we actually have real clear indication of a difference in politics than what is being explained by the Russian government as justification for this invasion. That is much support at that time for this president who was seen as an alternative to the president's before um, a reaction to a more nationalist president in the previous one, Poroshenko, uh, a reaction to the um, corruption and oligarchic control of resources in Ukraine. He was seen as an outsider who was coming in to be something different, and that was something that Eastern Ukraine wanted for Ukraine. So that really contradicts, I think, some of these arguments. Well, given the
2: fact that he's Jewish, Doctor, how did the Russians manage to explain as their justification the Nazification of the Ukraine? going in there
3: right so I think it's interesting just to think about right there are white nationalists and neo-nazis in many countries right white nationalists in the United States I don't think that's justification yeah, for we Canada. just had a convention just had a convention that's right uh, and I don't think that that's justification for Canada to invade the United States right obviously it is absolutely not so are there those elements in Ukrainian politics yes uh, but there has also been a shift, uh, and not a, a shift as much as some people wanted in Ukraine, but obviously there's a shift in politics in Ukraine. Uh, it's never a justification to invade a country because, for example, in the last presidential elections, the total number of right-wing, far-right, ultranationalists uh, who received votes in those elections was about 4%. In France, for example, Le Pen received about 12% of the vote. So does that mean that it's time for Germany to invade France, right? So obviously- Well, they've done it twice. Right. So there are obviously far right elements in many countries, including in Russia, including influencing the ideas of imperialism and invasion.
1: Now, as a person who knows the people and has family in that uh, region, what's your reaction when you hear conservatives cheering on Putin in the U.S.? You know, this idea of comparing him to Hitler and then cheering him.
3: Right. I find it um, disturbing anytime time um, dictators are cheered on by politicians, right, uh, in in the United States. Uh, and uh, obviously, this is a, a leader who has repressed the population in Russia, and there's a lot of opposition in Russia to this. And when people support Lukashenko in Belarus, who is also a dictator who has repressed uh, popular dissent for that regime, uh, it really is obviously uh, deeply, it's, you know, obviously upsetting and incorrect. It's wrong, just wrong. This is a an absolutely horrible situation that doesn't have any real justification
2: but if you say, uh, as I think some people have done, that that he made an intelligent move, that's an opinion. That's Genius. not necessarily patting. Well, it's not necessarily patting him on the back. It's just saying that we thought he'd think his action given the circumstances, was valid. We do that all the time. We, we'll look at Hitler at the start of World War II and say what a genius he was. Of course, at the end, he was pretty pretty bad.
3: Well, remember, right. yes, uh, we started the conversation with, is he, is he crazy, crazy, right? right. <laughs> is he irrational, right? Because there are a lot of things about this process that even if we remove all question of morality, right, and the lives of the people being murdered in Ukraine and the Russian soldiers dying for this, right, if we remove any concern for human welfare, which we do in all sorts of of aspects of political life, right, right. not just about mm-hmm. war, um, then we can ask the question, right, but does this even make sense for Russia? Um, it only makes sense from an ideological Perspective that we discussed earlier—it doesn't make sense. How, the the economic cost, what it'll mean to control Ukraine, right? Um, what the fallout of all of this is, what the fallout for the economy is. So we come back to that. It doesn't even make sense for someone to say, "Oh, this was a genius move," right? <laughs> um, it doesn't make sense on ever at uh, either level.
1: It's the suspension of disbelief to support any political leader, I guess. I mean, look at President <laughs> Biden's supporters now. You know, they may not see him as a person who's, you know, significantly unpopular. Or President Trump's supporters then, they may not see him as, you know, the same way that I might. Uh, why was Chernobyl so important so soon here that uh, uh, Putin went there first and foremost?
3: Yeah, I mean, so part of this is um, movements uh, through Belarus, which uh, is has the border that is closest to the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, uh, and moving through the moving troops through the Chernobyl exclusion zone, the area that has been made off limits uh, for you know since the uh, since the accident in 1986. Uh, that area, when troops move through it, it really apparently contributed to a rise in radioactivity, right? So there was some concern that that was indicated or or, uh, evaluated, tested in Kiev. So in the capital, the movement of troops and tanks and equipment through that exclusion zone made it uh, obviously raise concerns of what would happen. But also, if you're moving troops and stationing troops in that exclusion zone, it makes it harder to attack them. And bomb them for fear of what the repercussions would be. There's concern in other places where there are nuclear facilities that are operating, power plants that are operating in the country. Um, uh, the largest one uh, in Ukraine actually was protected by Ukrainian residents. This is the uh, in and a holdar. And that is the largest uh, in Europe, and it was protected by unarmed civilians. This is the report, again, not entirely verifiable, but uh, when Russian troops sought to invade it. So there's concern about many of those facilities. There's the Russian threat of, you know, raising to the highest, um, uh, highest security level, alert level for their uh, nuclear weapons, right? So this is a major worry for much of Eastern Europe, whether accidental damage, uh, increased radiation levels. What does it mean to attack troops in areas where these facilities are, and then the threat of using those kinds of armaments? Obviously, is a major concern for the whole region.
1: And up to now, some tourists could go near there, correct? I mean, we we hear reports that people get within X miles of it, whatever the distance is.
3: Yes, right. So there is this kind of disaster tourism that I was happens.
1: saying yeah, that's a tourist attraction. Oh no, <laughs> I kid you not. It's quite popular. Yeah, I mean, it takes a little darker interest. But what is it see Chernobyl and die? Yeah, <laughs> no, Literally? you don't get. <laughs> Don't get the, quite that close. Uh, Eric, you got a question for our good guest here today? Go right ahead.
6: I sure do. Uh, thank you, gentlemen and lady, for taking my call. Uh, so we see on the news reports that it appears that a lot of the uh, protests going on in Russia tend to be among younger people. So the question I have is, is the Internet still open there? Can the I would think the younger generation has more... Uh, access or use of the Internet. So are these folks getting actual news from outside of Russia, or is their Internet also closed down and run by the Russian government? Fair
2: enough. Thanks, Eric. Good question. Thank you. Thank you,
3: you, Eric. Uh, Yeah, very good question. So um, there are different... You know, there's different discussion about what's going on in the last 24 hours. I Saw that YouTube was being was slowing down, and there was discussions of shutting it down. I think it was shut down. I don't know if it is still shut down this morning, um, nighttime uh, there in in Russia. Um, It is uh, a. Access question, right, to these um, resources or these, you know, news resources. There's also information, as we talked about earlier, coming from re- relatives and friends in Kiev, in Kharkiv. That is really important for how people are getting access to information, but is the at how people or what kind of information people are accessing Russia being monitored by the Russian government is a concern among Russian Russian residents and so there are all these apps like Telegram, Signal, where people exchange information in more secured formats that people are trying to use more frequently so that they cannot be monitored as easily. And so it is younger people who have more access to the internet. Not everyone has great access to the internet in rural areas of Russia. It's a significantly rural society, right? The largest country in the world. Um, and. Younger people definitely, as you say, have more access to that and know how to use these alternative sources or know how to switch between them when some get shut down. So I think that is a factor in what is influencing younger people, in addition to just their concerns about their future, right? All
1: right. Well, last question. Uh, Some folks uh, would like, would have liked, would have liked President Biden to impose sanctions in advance. Now, Vladimir Putin was saying all along the Russian uh, that the U.S. and NATO were trying to provoke him into attacking Ukraine. Uh, Is there a correlation there that we waited until he actually attacked to impose uh, sanctions, or do you think we should have imposed sanctions ahead of the invasion?
3: Well, I I think that, uh, you know, one thing that I was a little bit surprised by, and I think many people critiqued, was the extent to which the Putin administration um, and European officials were continuously drawing attention to the buildup of troops. And some argue that that very much prepared um, the public's attention to this and therefore support for swift sanctions, um, there was uh, discussion of sanctions being prepared before discussion in Congress, right? So that was part of the the preparation was how that was being discussed. And obviously Congress's involvement and direction in that is important. So uh, I think that, you know, it, at first I was concerned about, you know, was this fear mongering, but it seemed that it was really important to bring public attention on the world stage to what Russia's build-up was doing I don't know if Russia the Russian government expected that there's some indication that Russia had already the Russian government had already decided in January they were going to invade some leaked memos and information recently in the last few days so um, you know would that have helped perhaps would it have maybe made Russia more aggressive in some ways I mean it's kind of hard to think of more aggressive but uh, the ways in which they could have um, uh, maybe it it would have been an escalation. I don't know. It's hard to say. But there was action done that might have helped.
1: Okay. So uh, it, it just depends. It's hard to change history, you know, and see how it would have, you know, if you would have go back and changed Just change take down things. a couple of statues. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thank
2: you so much. Thank you, Doctor.
1: Really very, very much appreciated. Dr. Amanda Wooden from Bucknell University, a political scientist and associate professor of environmental studies and sciences. Uh, We will do news headlines and we'll open up the phone shortly here on WKOK.
4: There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Yeah, that's Rob. No, this is not Sunrise. Er, on the mark. <laughs> that's Rob yelling over in the next room. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a family-owned dealership since 1915. 4th Street Sunbury, Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. Do as I've done. Talk to Ernie and Austin and Jason and Chris and Alphonse and Jeff. Well, actually, I never met Alphonse, but uh, he's a super guy, too. And order up, as I have done, an F-250. You have to wait a little bit longer for that one. That's probably about uh, six to eight weeks. But You can you can go down there. They got edges, escapes, echoes. One fifties, three or four F one fifties on the lot right now. Uh, They got an Explorer there, and uh, they got a Bronco Sport. So, oh, and they have that wonderful color. It's like a grayish green color um, Ranger that I really love. That and it's got the lift kit already on it. So yeah, this is the Sunbury Motor Company we're talking about. They would love to do business with you. So go uh, do as I have done. Talk to Jason and buy a vehicle from him right now. I'm driving around in that uh, ruby red F-150 that has the gorgeous leather seats and just a finely appointed vehicle. But we'll try a different vehicle next week, and uh, we'll tell you all about it. But do as I do before I go down there and say this is what we're going to drive this week. Go to sunburymotors.com, drive an F-850 dump truck if you need to with the plow already on it. (laughs) Why not? It would be nice. They got one of those down there for one of the local municipalities, so it's all set. So they would just love to do business with you at the Sunbury Motor Company. Let's scan through some brief news headlines here, but we do have open phones, so if you wish to call, anything uh, further comments about the State of the Union address, any comments about our great uh, guests, uh, comments about the Ukraine and Vladimir Putin, we still didn't get a definitive answer: is he crazy or not? So we just don't. Oh, he's know. not so all right. Okay, all right. Well, now, now you have now, your now. definitive answer. Uh, thank you. Well, that clears that up. Got a half a dozen emails from yesterday we did not get to that are very valid, and so we'd like to get to those as well. Very brief news headlines first. A Sunbury man was arrested on over a dozen burglary-related charges. 34-year-old Joseph Kemper of Bainbridge Street arrested with a lot of police activity uh, yesterday. They say he was primarily the getaway car driver for church burglaries around here. The victim has died after a garage fire in Union County last week. 72-year-old Wilbur Gower of East Buffalo Township died Tuesday. He was taken to the hospital after a garage fire along Stein Lane. U.S. Congressman Dan Muser came out with a st- Statement.
7: Hello, everyone. This is Congressman Dan Muser. Uh, I, I like you, was very disappointed in President Biden's speech last night. What was supposed to be a state of the union was a state of denial.
1: And that's, you can see the full video at WKOK.com and read more of his comments. Well, go get your signatures. Uh, candidates and elected county committee members and Democratic and Republican parties can start circulating petitions. State Supreme Court ruled Wednesday. Trouble is, uh, they may be still unclear as to the final decision on legislative lines in both parties committee members are sometimes elected by legislative districts, so uh, there are still some folks that cannot uh, get signatures yet, uh, while this is still hashed out in the courts. Joshua James, the leader of the Alabama chapter the right-wing Oath Keepers militia group, pleaded guilty to criminal charges in January because of the attack on the U.S. Capitol. CBS News' Scott McFarland has the latest on that.
0: In this courthouse just down the street from the U.S. Capitol, a new high-water mark for the Justice Department. They've secured a guilty plea from the leader of the Alabama Oath Keepers Group, who's admitted to seditious conspiracy using force to block the peaceful transfer of power January 6 2021. And his co-defendant is the founder of the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rhodes.
1: And he pleaded guilty yesterday. Finally, in an attempt to stop using a name that's deemed derogatory, the gypsy moth is no more. Oh, brother. And officials have determined a new name for the insect. The Entomologo- Ento- Entomological Society of Pennsylvania announced that the new name, spongy moth, has been selected nope, for this species. gypsy moth. Yeah. It was uh, voted unanimously to approve the addition of the spongy moth to their common names of insects (laughs) and related organisms. The process, that completes a process reportedly that started back in 2021. Gypsy moth was removed from the list at the time because of the use of the derogatory term of Romani people. Uh, Now the spongy moth is added to the list. It will be used in articles. Well, the sponge
2: has feelings too, you know. (laughs) It's a living organism. That's true. Good point. Scientific
1: journals. Yeah, but it's not a people. Scientific journals, presentations, posters, websites will make reference to the uh, nope, unfair,
2: unfair to sponges. I'm sorry.
1: Spongy, spongy moth. Yeah, suddenly you care about uh, the oppressed sponges of the world. That's I do. A, that's funny. All right. To be continued. We have more about that posted at WKOK.com under our PA headlines. I suspect headlines. they
2: named it a gypsy moth because of its migratory habits. I would think so.
1: <laughs> Maybe it came from Egypt originally. Uh, <laughs> oh, Dale, you're on the mark. Thanks for.
2: I hate to tell you, but the gypsies didn't come from Egypt. No, right? no. I'm just saying <laughs>
1: Egypt, gypsy, oh, okay, yeah, Egypt, yeah, gypsy. How about somebody
2: who was gypped in a deal? Uh, right. <laughs>
1: well, see, that's derogatory about the Romani gypsies. So. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I just
5: want to know how did Biden do this? How did he just destroy the relationship between Saudi Arabia? So basically, we're going to have twenty hour a gallon in gas by July. He just destroyed. A, he just destroyed our backup plan. This guy needs to be impeached. How did he do
2: that, Dale? How did he do? How did he accomplish that? What did he do specifically?
5: He, he tried to play dictator over there. How? Dictator on their, on their possessions and their property. How? You know, he, he just read he, it. He just destroyed our relationship with Saudi Arabia.
2: Again? How?
5: <laughs> how? Because he's he's that incompetent, and and who and our media keeps uh protecting him. I don't know, but I think their answer is just go out and vote, people. Go out and vote for these uh, rhinos and Democrats. That's all it. Is. It's, it's a scam. you guys keep voting and keep destroying this country. It don't get better when you vote people. It don't. I mean I don't know what to do. I try to slap these wakers up but you're just going to keep voting you're going to put you're going to put uh, levies on my family just because you feel as though voting's going to help you out. That's criminal. You guys are need to wake up man. This is all extortion racketeering that's all it is okay
2: all right we got you, brother thank you thank you you, how he's
5: going to fix this relationship between saudi arabia now he's going to ask george bush to do it the other rhino i think the the rhinos are going to destroy this country they're the next ones up to control the rackets
1: which bush is he going to ask to solve this issue
5: i don't know bush is tied into with all that but it's the rhinos and the democrats
2: anymore well what about the bar association dale where are they in this
5: I don't know. I think we need public uh, prosecution. I think we need to start holding people. If you're a public servant and you're you're not accountable, we just go out and take you and hang you. That's it, oh, period.
1: Okay. Hey, There's well. just too
5: many people working to put food on their plate to be playing games anymore.
1: All right, we I got mean,
5: you. Really. All right. Yeah, I mean, you guys are not doing nothing but just echoing uh, what the Biden administration is saying trying to spin it. Between the guys. Bar
1: Association and the Biden administration, so I'm just we got to i telling
5: it all. you, guys are rhinos now. Well, it, it's you're hard, Dale. we this, trying to play both. Rhino. That's it. It's
2: awfully right. hard with this CIA representative here.
5: Your radio gets shut down. That's the way it works, right? All but right.
1: We you. Got know got you know with our brother. CIA
2: representative here, there's limited to what we can say, Dale. Oh, man, she was just getting
1: wound up. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Stan, do not laugh at our callers, please. <laughs> well,
8: you know, Dale, Dale's maybe right on certain parts of it, I but think so. there's only three choices you have. Vote, not vote, or start an armed revolution to change things. And I don't want to see the armed revolution, and I will not sit at home and not vote. So I'll vote and hopefully vote for people that will maybe make a change. That's I, the only choices. We I got. like
1: that philosophy. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I agree with Stan.
8: So, I mean, well, time will tell. Anyways, uh, the U the the UN did their strongly worded condemnation of Russia and told them to get out of Ukraine, stop all the hostilities. The other day was it yesterday or the day before? I don't remember. And what? 141 nations voted to confirm that resolution, and 35 abstained, and of course five voted against something like I think it was five. You know, Belarus, North Korea, Iran, Iraq. And, no, it was Iran and whatever. You know, right. so uh, so what's going to become of that? You know, a strongly worded resolution.
1: Ooh. Well, I think Putin shaking in his shoes. I think Vladimir Putin saw it and started to turn around and head out of town. Right? <laughs> no? Oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, now,
8: you know, and 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 you're uh the, the nice lady from Bucknell said that the, you know, the the sanctions are isolating uh, Russia and you know whatever and, and hurting their economy. I'm sorry, until we stop, the world stops buying Russian oil and paying them for that Russian oil, nothing's going to change mm-hmm. because that's where they derive the bulk of their income from the petroleum industry. But the 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 EU carved out, the, you know that the the countries can still get the Russian oil and gas, and that the Russian uh, petroleum companies can still use the banking systems, and there's a bunch of carve-outs, my understanding, in those EU sanctions that they put on, you know, the Italians can still sell their luxury goods into Russia, and blah, 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 blah. So, what good is it if we're not, if the the countries that have the power, the people that have the power, supposedly, don't actually do something that matters?
2: Good point.
8: I mean, that's that, the answer. I, that's that's all. You know, that, that's the, that's the big question. If they're not going to do something that actually, I'm not saying send put boots on the ground and send troops in to defend Ukraine. Ukraine Ukraine's doing pretty good on, on their own. Well, now maybe we should send them arms so that they can actually defend themselves.
1: More Stingers. I don't have a
8: problem with that. Stinger missiles, the javelins, the anti-tank weapons, the anti-aircraft weapons. Yeah, send them in. Let them take the Russians out and let them take the, the tanks out. Inflict severe harm and damage to the Russian military. That's what they got to do. But I don't want to see any of our people on the ground there. None. Zero. It's not our fight. And we have no business being there.
2: Right. It'll
8: just escalate. Isn't that how something like uh, World War One started? You know, they shot the Archduke of. Uh, Ferdinand. What Archduke was it Fer- Archduke, oh, yeah, Archduke Ferdinand. Archduke Ferdinand. Yeah, and that started it all because of, you know, the families all hated each other, whatever.
4: retaliation. You
1: know.
8: So we don't need that crap. I, I don't want to see it.
1: All right. We got you. Thank you so much, good Stan. Good point.
7: All right. Have a
8: good one. Thanks, yep, Stan.
1: Appreciate the call. All right. Mike, last caller before a quickie break. Go right ahead.
7: Yeah. Hey, uh, things have changed dramatically during my lifetime in this country, but they change so slowly that you, you, you essentially don't notice it. And what we have is a situation where the European Union and the European countries, they finally had a come-to-Jesus moment. You know, they were following the uh, woke Green Movement, giving up their power plants, and uh, shutting them down to, to tell their, the, the voters that they're doing the right thing, when in reality they're just buying their oil from over there in uh, Russia and helping Russia. <clears throat> and then here's, here's what really bothers me. How long was Russia encircling the ukraine how how, it was months that this was going on that they were building up troops and nobody decided to do anything until they were uh, halfway across the country so to speak so i I don't know uh i think the come to jesus moment for the european people has occurred but i still don't think here in the united states you know we're we're going gung-ho with the green movement uh we're converting uh farmland to solar farms and uh, we're saying we're going to have all these electric cars, and uh, we're borrowing money and spending it like drunken... Well, no, that's an insult to drunken sailors. And uh, I, I really I don't think that we have the wherewithal to get back on track. And, uh, you know, they call me a right-winger and a Trumpian and all those things. But what I'm finding out is that the people I know that used to be in the middle... They're starting to, you know, hopefully they're starting to say, well, the same things. I mean, I know they are because I've been talking to them. And uh, I think we're in a very serious situation. And uh, just because the stock market's starting to go back up again, I don't think that's any indicator of the, uh, the health of this country.
2: All right. Thank you. Anything else? I agree with you. You know, you you make a good point. Um, I I also think that leadership is important, you know, and we talk about President Zelensky and how he actually brought a a translator to tears in his impassioned speech the other day. And then we have our President Biden who thinks that you know he's talking about Iran instead of the Ukraine. What would you say he misspoke? I mean, he doesn't have a right policy. He had it in front of him, Mark, on the teleprompter. But didn't he miss,
1: he misstated that, correct? Well, you think he, he wasn't actually it? talking about Iran?
2: No, he wasn't. He was talking
1: about the Ukraine, but that's kind of a pretty big gaffe. No, no argument there. All right, but now, that, th- let, go let me ahead, just Mike.
7: say one thing. There is a guy on uh, Fox News. He he seems like younger younger guy, and everybody says, "Oh, you must watch him all the time." And I, I can't even think of his <laughs> name. If you said it, I would know it. But long story short, Victor Davis Hanson i was flicking through the channels and i came across and i, I like victor davis hansen and victor davis hansen was going through a litany of the things that he wished uh biden would talk about in the state of the union and he went right down the list and i'm saying hey i agree with every one of those and guess what joe biden didn't say any of them during the speech you know uh, and you know they he talked a big game big tough guy you know calling putin a killer and saying that uh, they're freezing the oligarchs money well, after the fact of that, I heard that they gave the oligarchs a 30-day notice that they were going to uh, freeze their accounts. Well, that's what happened to those accounts probably in the last, you know, the last couple of days. They are probably moved somewhere else. I don't know. I think uh, it's all smoke and mirrors that these people in Washington are trying to lead us around with. And I, I don't follow that one guy that says we have to have a revolution because I don't think that will ever work. We have to get educated, and we have to vote.
1: All right, we got you. Thank you so much for calling Great. in, Mike. Right. Always good to hear from you. 1-800-795-9565. We've got one caller standing by, but we'll take more comers. 1-800-795-9565. we are talking about the Iranian invasion of Ukraine. We'll continue to talk about that and the President's State of the Union address. Uh, subject of some emails we got left over. Prescription drug crisis, Chris, and Jello wrestling. So to be continued. All right, welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Joe McGranahan still irritated that Joe Biden last night made a reference to Iranian infrastructure when he was talking about the infrastructure bill. and
2: night before last.
1: He talked about, yeah, using a lot of national dollars for mental health funding in Iran and pulling our allies together against Iran and unifying uh, the Congress and the U.S. against Iran and life after COVID in Iran and calling out $2 trillion in unfunded tax cuts by the Republicans, so uh, Joe's very irritated about all those Iranian references last night. That's, I know. That's all Joe heard was that last night, <laughs> or the other night. Uh, Eric, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in.
6: Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I have to agree with my future Jello Wrestling partner, Stan, on something. Yes, we should all vote. That's a good, Stan. We agree on something. Um, as to the other uh, interesting perspectives on the uh, on the United Nations, um, we are able to stand with most of the countries around the world. So what, with five voted against and the rest, so that's, what, 90-some percent or 98 percent. So the United States is standing with the rest of the world, this planet we live on, against an aggressor. Which is, and that's, that's a bad thing? Or that, that's weakness? What are we supposed to do? And everyone's agreeing, oh, we, we can't do armed conflict. Well, what, el- what else do we have except to stand with other countries and do what we're doing? And as for us to to play Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, well, we should have done all this and this and this before the invasion, that's exactly what Putin wanted. He wanted his ability to come back to his people and say, look, I'm a peace-loving guy. I'm just doing maneuvers. But look at this. As soon as I do any maneuvers in my country, everyone else jumps in and attacks us through sanctions and so forth. He was looking for an excuse. We were smart. We didn't give him an excuse. Right? So he attacked on his own unilaterally, so now we can go back on him and say you are a unilateral aggressor and stand as a world united, except for the five who voted against it, of which North Korea was one of them. Isn't that interesting? And say, and, and so we're united. Uh, so, so the United Nations is a bad thing, Stan?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. In defense of liberty, in defense of other people who want to live free, what is our responsibility, or do we even have one?
6: Of course, we don't have a responsibility to live within the borders of the United States. We have no issues as an international economy. We can just live here in the United States, defend our borders around here, and don't worry about the rest of the world. But we, what, is that what you're saying, Joe?
2: No, I'm asking you what, what you think. You said we don't want to go to armed conflict. How far should we go? What should you we
6: think do? We should have gone to armed conflict. You're, def,
2: you're deflecting. I ask you a question. I ask you, given what you said, what your opinion is.
6: My opinion is that the United States should stand with the world as we are through the United Nations and impose sanctions against any country which is trying to be an aggressor against another country. And
2: if that doesn't work, that's my question. If that doesn't work, where do we go next? Do we just fold but up our tents and how, go home? How do
6: you find work? Did he stop immediately? No. But is it, is, it, is it underwriting their economy? Is it causing him harm? Is It, it has these the stock market stop trading stocks? Has their interest rate doubled? Has, has the ruble gone down in value by over 50%? So in a sense, those are the types of things we can do.
1: Yeah, no flyovers around the world now, really.
2: And again, if they don't produce the desired result. If he stays there, he takes over the country, he imprisons the people. Do we have at any point, I guess what I'm asking you, at any point is armed intervention in defense of another country within our purview?
6: Yes, because the ones we have to deal yeah. with. If yeah. he attacks any part of NATO, then we retaliate.
1: Oh, well, that's but he's not attacking NATO. He's in Ukraine. Yet. So. But, but yet. Ukraine wanted to join NATO. Right. No argument there. Well, that's part of his fake justification. Okay, Eric. Thank you so much. Good questions. All. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Happy yep. Have a good time with your Jello wrestling. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Jell-O wrestling, a reference to one of our good listeners, suggested that after an argument between Eric and Ben yesterday, uh, Ben, we went to Sealance Grove together and played a little of football, but you know that no one should ex- be exposed to my body type in a vat of Jello. But thanks for the good give and take on WDKOK's live uh, telephone talk show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We do not have any texts uh, sent to us. But uh, you can uh, get in queue in that area. One of our listeners did send us a note that says on this topic of changing the name of the gypsy thieves. Or gypsy moths.
2: Oh, there was a, there was a slam at the gypsy people.
1: One of our <laughs> listeners says, next we won't be able to play on Ego 107, Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by Cher. Oh, yeah, all right. I'm, we won't well, let's be able to. That. <laughs> we'll have to switch it to spongy moths and thieves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, something like that. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Finally, an email relates to this topic,
2: Joe. It said, um, it seems obvious with the Russian-sanctioned banking uh, loopholes that Biden is not operating with our best interests. Oh, dear. Okay.
1: All righty, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll take a quickie break. we got some emails and texts, or emails to read. We'll read those when we return.
4: There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician
1: Down. We're just looking at Charlie Garros, the gubernatorial candidate, looking at his resume. He sent us a chocolate bar. It's not dark chocolate though. That's my favorite. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Pardon? You're a racist. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and right, and, we're, and I'm honoring Iran, in every word I speak, and That's I'm, right. and I'm cheering on Adolf Hitler because I think Putin shouldn't have invaded Iran. Anything? Any other? No, I think you've covered it all. Paper thin <laughs> myths you wish to <laughs> bring to our show. Al, thank you for calling. You're on the mark. Go right ahead.
9: Good morning. Hey, i have taken a ride here for an estimate this morning. Went by a gas station in uh, Kramer. It's four oh nine a gallon. I think that ties to all all-time high in the Valley. Get out of here. yeah and uh there was a poll that over 50 about 50% 48 50% of the people would be willing to pay higher gas guys gas prices if we could uh just stop and refrain from buying any gas or oil from Russia let China support it isolate China and Russia and Iran together and Maybe the rest of the world stick together and we could figure out our energy problems without them. And another thing, there's a what do they say is on the table? Uh, we just mothballed a bunch of F-16s, and Lindsey Graham, before we mothballed them, said, why don't we send them over to Ukraine and let them have them? Um, we didn't do that. Uh, the gases on the table. I, just, I don't completely. think you can just
1: give an, a highly electronic supersonic jet to a country and say, oh, here you go. Use yes, this. we do. Good
9: luck. Yes, Use we this. Do. You fly we this. Left everything on the, we left everything on the base in Afghanistan and the Chinese are re, you know, have it now. They're selling it to the Chinese. You know, all the stuff that we left over in
1: Afghanistan, uh, Afghanistan, That's
9: Afghanistan the, we could have sent over there.
1: That's the same or they thing. Or just said, come on over and get oh, it. Okay. You,
9: you, you take it over there. At least it wouldn't fall into the other hands. It'd be on our side. I think we're going to have to divide up in this world and and fight good and evil. And let's oh put gosh. some countries on the evil list. Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. Isolate them.
2: Sort of like Santa Claus Start, is naughty and nice list, huh?
9: Yeah, a naughty and nice list, and then really start uh, doing things here and keeping things over here that we could help the rest of the world. And watch out because Taiwan's next because China and Russia are working together. And it's, you know, it, it, this is the breadbasket over there in Ukraine. No,
2: no, no. He's got,
9: he's got, you know, Putin has his eye on the breadbasket so he can further his campaign to turn the soviet union back into what it once was that's what he's he's stating and the rest of the world's got to wake up to that and put everything on the table and just don't let it sit there start using it give them the jets right there they got a 40 mile column they can practice one and i think sweden or switzerland wanted to give them some jets and that's being held up by bureaucratic paperwork right now they should be loading it up and with weapons for them and say go Target practice. We got a 40-mile <laughs> column over here. Let's let's see what happens now. And I heard a lot of those young guys are putting holes in their gas tanks, and and abandoning their. The, watch why the column's sitting there. They're running out of gas, they're running out of food, and and they're running out of the will to fight. It, it's, it's like starting a civil war. All right. And and half the people don't want to have a civil war. And there's no real good reason except he wants to take over the breadbasket of what used to be the Soviet Union. They have all the minerals. They have all the the greatest food supply that they make. I mean, he needs that to further his cause. And he, Oh, and also has access from the Black Sea into the Mediterranean Sea.
1: All right, we got you. Which he Good doesn't point. have in Russia.
7: It's a strategic move.
2: Thank you so much, sir. Thanks Thank for calling you good in. Good call. I appreciate that. Upper right-hand corner, Joe, if you right. would. The sanctions against Russia don't affect the people in charge. Only the little people are affected. And then, Eric, when the powers that be have carve-outs in the sanctions against Russia, what good are they? And then Biden should use some of the mental health funds he's taking about for self-care. He's talking about for self-care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, uh, Dick, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling
1: in.
10: So 404 seems like a bargain. Uh, When I went up through Milton yesterday, it was at 410, and then they dropped it back. So today I went up through, and it was 419.9 at the Sunoco and the the old Valero, which is racing, RJ Racing or whatever. And when I came back down an hour and a half later, it was down to 405 at the uh, Valero Racing one, but still at 419 at the Sunoco in Milton.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, like 4.5 in Philadelphia area, so it's just a matter of trickling up this Uh way
10: so it's gonna it's whatever it is and the only problem with uh, putting all those jets in ukraine they'll just bomb all the runways and there they'll set you they got to have a runway to take off from
1: okay well that's true and they're not going
10: to be able to fly, they're not going to be able to fly them out of any other of other nato countries because then we would be involved so they're got to almost fly them out of there and as i say that's all they would do is just uh, destroy the runways well, you know, but only so a, many runways will handle a jet.
1: You can't just give can't somebody an, out of the Grove Airport, right? You can't just <laughs> give somebody an F-15. It's like giving a toddler a, a, a high-tech right. engineering ca- a calculator.
10: But like, you know, I'm not saying all well and good. That sounds good in theory, but as I say, they'll they'll just start destroying runways then if that's if their jets are taking off. All right. True, true,
1: true.
2: So, so what do they gain if they destroy the entire country, which seems to be what they're more than willing to do? What do they gain? They have a country now that they've got to rebuild. And they haven't the gained t-
10: anything, but the guy's a madman.
2: Well, no argument there. Right.
10: I mean, he is an absolute madman. I guess he doesn't really care. I don't know. I guess his last resort would be nuclear weapons. Will he do it? I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. Because then he's going to have a self-destroyed country because we'll, we'll just retaliate.
2: You know, right. No, Nobody's going to win that war. I agree with you, Dick. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, we'll
10: see what happens. Thanks Thank for you. calling. Appreciate in. your call,
1: Appreciate as that. always. Uh, in the USA, it's time to drill baby drills. That's this the
2: absolute truth. Why aren't are we doing one that?
1: One of our listeners. Well, I think we're trying to get away
2: from fossil fuels. Uh, those are all brand new texts. If we're trying to get away from fossil fuels, why are we buying so much of them from the Russians? <laughs> I don't Just know. out of curiosity, well, you you an answer er, to You that?
1: heard the good experts saying how if you continue to buy it, it actually hurts them.
2: I'm not quite sure why, but... Uh, uh, I'm not certain I understood that she said that, but did she? <laughs> well, uh, that's what I heard. If but we buy, continue to buy from them, we're actually hurting
1: them. Well, I guess if you if you uh, put some fuel back in the pool, it. Um Somehow doesn't help them and, and hurts fuel us. Fuel in the pool. Because we would be more dependent on more fuel elsewhere. I guess we'd have to pay more for it. But in any event. I well, think we've
2: gone I, to OPEC before and begged them to increase their production. Why are we ever reluctant to do I that think now? Most,
1: most folks agree I'll, I'll pay a little more if it hurts Vladimir Putin. Uh, would you
2: pay a little less if we had our own oil to, from this country, or would that bother you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It would not bother sorry. you. I wouldn't mind paying a little to get less for gasoline. Okay. So paying even if, that meant, paying the even real if cost. that meant
1: drilling more here in this country. And well, you remember, Senator, you all sat there and said nobody's <laughs> paying the real cost for natural gas or gas. I wasn't here that gas. day. That was a Friday. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> I was not We here. did get into a conversation, <laughs> your least favorite conversation, about the real cost of everything we use and consume. <laughs> all right. Please, the lightning round through those texts,
0: Joe.
2: All right. Uh, Alternative energies are all fine as a supplement, but they are incapable of providing the energy to fuel a growing economy. They're not ready for prime time. And then the green weenies want to destroy... Oh, I like that. The green weenies. Are you a green weenie? Uh, Yeah. I don't
1: think they invented that term. The
2: green weenies... Well, I don't know. I just haven't heard it before. The green weenies want to destroy the world economies and inflict misery on the world's people by removing fossil fuels from the equation. And then another texter says the free flow of petroleum products in the world is what drives successful countries and the Biden administration is trying to destroy that here. And another caller, another texter agrees with Mike, says Mike is right. The Europeans capitulated to the green weenies, but I still don't think they've learned their lesson and will continue to go downhill. All right. Thank you for the text. Uh, we, Green weenie. Thank you. We read all the new emails.
1: We still have a stack of them left over that are still valid and interesting, so we'll try to read those uh, but tomorrow. But not today. <laughs> but we have Financial Friday tomorrow, so we have the chamber here. We're going to talk about community colleges globally and nationally and statewide. We'll talk a little bit about the new community college and the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce Community College Center up in Watsontown and Joe gets three days off
2: and counting yesterday, four. <laughs> well, yeah, some days he's here, some, some days, days he's, he's not. not. Green weenie. <laughs> this is W-K, okay Sunbury. Welcome to Iran.